Yo, my mind is a house with walls covered in lyrics. They're all over the place. Well, happy 4th of July weekend, Independence Day, Freedom Day. It's awesome. I, uh, we just experienced Christy Kurtz singing the Star Spangled Banner, and um, she did okay. Uh, could have been better. I, I'm going to give her some critiques after the service and see if we can step that up just a little bit. But um, seriously, uh, what a privilege that we get to celebrate on a weekend like this in America. Freedom. Freedom is what we celebrate on July 4th. I'm going to tell you, I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned in our world these days because there are so many people who I think so misunderstand the idea of what we celebrate on July 4th. A lot of the younger generation really doesn't want to get into the whole, you know, um, celebrating of this holiday of, you know, singing things like the Star Spangled Banner, God Bless America, and all these different things, and they just, they don't want to do it. And I think it's, it's because they misunderstand what we're celebrating. You see, we, we don't celebrate because we have a perfect country. We're not, we're not singing these songs and celebrating this day because we think we have a perfect country. If you think we have a perfect country, you need medicine, right? I mean, it's like, we just don't. We're not celebrating July 4th because as Americans, we think we're any better or more important than other people around the world. That's just, if you think that, you're wrong. All of us are made of the same stuff. All of us come from the same great God, but not better because we live in a certain country. That's not why we celebrate July 4th. We don't celebrate July 4th because we, we think our government is always doing such a great job running the place. <laughs> we celebrate in this country for good or bad that we have freedom. That's what we celebrate. Look, there's a lot of stuff going on in our country that's not worthy of celebrating. There are a lot of things that happen in this country that aren't worth celebrating. There are a lot of things we've done as a country at times that certainly aren't worth celebrating, but you know what we celebrate is freedom. Our freedom is the great gift of being an American. That's the great gift. Our freedom is what makes us the envy of the world. Freedom. It's worthy to celebrate. What so many don't know or understand is that, that just as freedom is the great gift of being an American, so freedom is the great gift of Christianity. Many people miss this. Freedom is what Jesus came to give us. In fact, 
Just so you can see it, look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 in the Bible. It is, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Jesus left heaven and came to earth and died on that cross, dying on that cross, so that all of the guilt and shame and failures of our lives in this world, so that all the darkness could be paid for by the one who had no darkness in him, who had no sin in him, who had no failure in his story, who was perfect light, paid for the darkness of our lives and then was buried and rose again and it was for freedom that Christ did those things so that we could be free. And so the Bible says, so you need to stand firm in that freedom and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't allow yourselves to live imprisoned, in bondage, enslaved by anything because it's for freedom that Christ has set me free. But sadly, so many of us, I just have to be honest, I'm sorry, and this isn't being mean because it includes me. So many of us aren't walking in freedom. We're not walking in the freedom of Christ. We sing about it, we talk about it, we, we declare belief in it, many of us, but we're not walking in it, we're not living it. We're, we're allowing ourselves to be enslaved by things and bondage to things. We're, we're living margined off as if in prisons, in rooms of all kinds of darkness instead of in the freedom that he came to give us. Many of us are held hostage and imprisoned by so many things, but, but the one I think that kind of rises above the rest ultimately is when we're imprisoned by our hurts, enslaved by them. Every single one of us has been hurt and Almost always we live imprisoned to, in bondage to, enslaved to that hurt. We can't get past it. It starts shaping us and forming us and keeping us from everything God has for us. We, we don't get to experience the life and fullness of the promise of Jesus because we can't deal with these hurts and, and yet it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. How in the world can we celebrate what we have in Jesus in a prison cell, we can't, not a prison cell of our own guilt, of our own making. And so here are some realities that I think that we need to, to wrestle through, and I know I have to wrestle through them if we're going to experience the freedom Jesus came to give us, the great gift of Christianity. First reality I think we have to understand is that life comes with hurts included. And I'm sorry to, you know, announce some bad news here. But with the bad news, there'll be some good news. But life comes with hurts included. Now, I don't know about you, but when, uh, you know, I love buying stuff for our grandkids and so many things these days. It's crazy, you know. You go to Toys R Us and you buy a toy and you're all excited. You wrap it up, they open it, and then it doesn't work because somewhere in small print on the box it says, batteries not included. Don't you wish, don't you wish that life came wrapped up in a box that says, hurts not included. Just doesn't work that way because in life, hurts are included. Look at Psalm 90 verse 10. The length of our days is 70 years or 80. If we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. Life comes with hurts included. Hurts all the way through and then hurts and loss at the end 
and it goes so quickly. There's nothing we can do to avoid hurts. Nothing. And when we experience life's hurts, it's, it's just natural that it puts us in this, this bondage, in this prison where we're not experiencing freedom, but you need to know Jesus came to set us free from that. But see, many of us try and work it out on our own. I'm one of these people that I just, you know, I try to work stuff out on my own. And you know, it doesn't work. You, you can't work out of hurts and their impact in your life on your own. In fact, here's another reality. Not, not is it just real that our life comes with hurts included, but it's also real that our best attempts as human beings, no matter who we are and how good we're at it, our best attempts as human beings to, to free ourselves from the impact of our hurts, to free ourselves from the, the unbelievable bondage to hurts is, is ultimately going to leave us in even greater bondage. It's just a reality. Our best attempts to free ourselves from hurts leaves us in bondage to them. Look at Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. That's exactly right. We deal with our hurts in the best way, in the way that we think is going to absolutely get us by them, and in the end it leads to even greater death and destruction. By nature, we tend to deal with life's hurts in a way that brings about the exact opposite result that, that we're seeking in life. We're trying to get past our hurts, and what we're doing is we're actually making them worse. Our natural attempts to get past our hurts, to minimize them, often maximizes them. And what I love about the Bible is the Bible shows us that, that the, the best of God's people in the past were just like us and had to wrestle with the same issues. And I don't know, I don't know if it's because misery loves company or what, but I just absolutely love that the best of God's people in the Bible had to wrestle with the same thing I wrestle with. Doesn't that comfort you just a little bit? And when we get into it, we realize how we can become some of the best of God's people, even though we wrestle with these unbelievably painful realities in our lives. And great example God gives us in the Bible is a guy named David. If you're newer to the Bible, this is the guy, if you've ever heard David and Goliath, you know, the, this is that David. And he became a man of God, the profound king of Israel, responsible for making God's people some of the most powerful and impacting in the nation during his day. And, but David blew it. David knew what it was like to wrestle with hurt and pain and failure and all the other things we wrestle with. And he, he knew hurt out loud and big time in his life. And, and he, he did what I tend to do, and I, I would bet you can relate to this, what you tend to do. He, he tried to deal with it on his own. And I want you to see this because this is what we do. And I want you to see where it gets us. Are, are you okay? We're, how do we build these rooms of hurt that we live in? As I see David wrestling with his hurt, the first thing I see him doing is he, he attempted to deny his hurts. And you know, you and I, we, we live in denial sometimes, right? And I'm not talking about in the river in Egypt. I'm really not talking about that. How about... Are, was it just that bad or are you just not awake? I, I can't figure that out. But we do, we live in denial. I mean, even coming this weekend to church, I'm sure many of you asked someone, you know, how are you doing? And they said, great. And, and they said, and you, and you said, great. And both of you were just lying through your teeth. 
Denial. Because Psalm 32, verse 3, when I kept silent, this is David talking, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long as he wrestled with the hurts of his own failures and the issues going on in his life, and he had so many hurts. Betrayal of his family, betrayal of his best friends, just life was horrible at times for him. He attempted to deny his hurts, but when he kept silent, it just destroyed him on the inside. It doesn't work. This is where many of us are. Right? He also, he also fantasized about running away from his hurts. And I don't know if you relate to this, but I relate to this. I love to live in the land of make-believe delusion. You know, it's like, if, uh, you know, if this would happen, if this would happen, if, if this could happen, and we, we try and, you know, fly away from our problems. Look at how David did it. Psalm 55, I'll begin with verse 4. My heart is in anguish within me. He was really wrestling with hurt. And this is how he tried to deal with it. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. If, you know, if I had wings like a dove, then I wouldn't hurt. I could just get out of here. And he fantasized about running away from his hurts and how life would be better. Don't we do this? I'm like, come on. If I just had a billion dollars, if you just had a billion dollars, you'd be more dangerous than you are now. That'd be where you are. It's like, if I just had different, if I just had the, uh, and we fantasize about running away from a hurts as if, if this only hadn't happened, and, and, but it doesn't do anything, and that's what he found. If you think about your life, let me ask you, is it possible that, that some or a lot of the activity that you're involved in is an attempt to escape or run away from life's hurts? I think the unbelievable busyness and of our lives is an attempt for us to run away from our hurts, but you, you just need to realize you can't run fast enough to run away from your hurts. Ultimately, by trying to run away, we only hurt ourselves more. It's like if you'll get this picture, it's like with, like with quicksand. When you're in quicksand, when you try to run away, what happens? You get more and more stuck, and it becomes more and more destructive, and that's exactly what happens when we try to run away from our our hurts, we get more and more stuck and more and more devastated by them. We're just postponing the agony and we're sinking deeper into them. And this is how we build our rooms of hurts. And you know, we, we try to run away by all kinds of means. I don't have to go through those, but it just doesn't work. Another thing we tend to do, David certainly did, is when we're dealing and wrestling with hurts, we we seek to hide our hurts. He sought to hide his hurts. And I know this is really similar to denial, but it's a little bit different. Denial is a little bit different than just simply hiding. Look at Psalm 39, verses 2 and 3. But when I was silent and still, not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. I mean, he was hiding it, trying to keep it covered, and his anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me, and as I meditated, the fire burned, then I spoke with my tongue. And boy, I know what that's like. Do you know when you're wrestling with hurt, you're trying to keep it down, you're trying to keep it down, but then you pill your head at night, and you're sitting there, and the reality of that hurt comes to you. Have you ever just like started sweating when it wasn't even hot in your house? I mean, I, it's like, I know what this is like exactly. Hiding our hurts doesn't work. 
David didn't want anyone to know that he was hurting. Even though he was in the valley of life, he wanted people to think that he was on the mountaintop. He was the king of Israel. No one could see him sweat. And I know what that's like, and so do you. It's a very strange approach to pain on the surface of it, but it's natural. You know what it is? It's, it's more about image than reality. Many of us hide our hurts behind an image that's just not true. Here's the idea. We think we'll feel better about ourselves inside if people think well of us or are impressed with what we look like on the outside. And so we start creating this image like, this is why we, look at some of you fish, and I don't know why you fish. It's like one of the most boring things on the planet, waiting for a fish to find your hook and bite, and then you throw it back. What is wrong with you people? But anyway, that's a whole other issue. But I've never met a fisherman who doesn't lie about the size of the fish. It's like, what, you feel better inside when I think you're a better fisherman than you know you are? When I think fishermen are wasting the oxygen they breathe while they're fishing? I mean, I'm not impressed at all. But you get the point. You don't feel better just because someone thinks about you something that's not true. You actually feel worse because you know they're believing a lie that you're creating about yourself. It just magnifies the hurt, and this is exactly what we do. It's what he did. It's what we do. Could it be that everyone around you is convinced that you're on the mountaintop, but in reality, you're in a very deep, dark valley? How sad is that? Can I remind you? It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Not make-believe, the real deal. I just find it amazing how many seemingly perfect marriages break up. Haven't you? It's like, they seemed like the happiest couple. Operative word, seemed, make-believe, creating a fantasy for us to believe that didn't exist in reality of their home. Trying to make themselves feel better about life by getting people to believe about them and their marriage, what's not true? How, wouldn't you rather Jesus fix your marriage than you pretend you have a good one? Wouldn't you rather? I would. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And not only do we hide our hurts there, David did this, I know I've done it, you do it. He worried about his hurts. He worried about them. That's one of our natural attempts to deal with them. If I worry about them enough, I might solve the problem of my hurts. No, you won't. Look at Psalm 55 too, how he did it. He, uh, my thoughts, he's talking about this internal stuff that's going on inside him, inside of us. My thoughts trouble me. And here's the result, I'm distraught. I mean, he worried about them. You know what the result of worrying about our hurts is? Our hurts become larger than life. The more I worry about my hurts and think about them, the bigger they get in my life. I can take a small hurt from my past and make it a mountain. Can't you? It doesn't work. He also allowed his hurts to define him. He literally, and this is just my kind of summary statement of what he did, what we do. He, 
he allowed his hurts, hurts ultimately to define him instead of allowing Jesus and what Jesus came to give us freedom to define him he, he allowed his hurts to define him and we do the same thing look at Psalm 38 I'll start with verse 8 I'm feeble and utterly crushed I groan in anguish of heart my heart pounds my strength fails me even the light has gone from my eyes my friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds my hurts now so define me that they don't even want to be around me my neighbors stay far away That happens in our world, doesn't it? We're, we're so hurting. It's like, we, it's like have, you ever, have you ever met a person that you know loves garlic because they smell like garlic? Have you ever met that person? And by the way, this is, I like garlic too. I just don't like to sweat it, but that's a whole different issue. But I'm telling you, when, when we're owned by hurt, it's like, it oozes out of us. People want to avoid it. Avoid us. Talk about living in rooms of hurt. I, I just want you to know, none of the choices that David made to attempt to get past his hurts worked. They, they all ruined his present. They all put him in prison. And same thing happens to us. They just increase our hurt. We've all experienced the same reality, but it doesn't have to continue. And this, is, this whole series, Rooms, is about helping us to see the reality of what we experience, but how it doesn't have to remain our reality. We don't have to keep building these rooms and living in these rooms. We can escape it, with, but to do it, we have to make a different choice. And that's the good news we see in David. David, ultimately, though like us, making so many bad choices and then attempting to cover him up on his own and it didn't work, he ultimately chose to let God set him free from his hurts. That was his ultimate choice. And you, you only have one option. And I know people are talking about all kinds of different things. You have one option. Either you deal with your own hurts or you choose to let God set you free from them. There are no other options. And so if you're trying to figure out whether you want to like include God in your life, I'm just telling you, it's your only option if you want to be free. And this is what David did. He chose to let God set him free from his hurts. I want you to see what he did. The first thing, though, David suffered way beyond anything I've ever experienced in life. He never gave up on God, and this was the starting place. You see, since God is our only choice to be set free, truly freed from our hurts and the impact of our hurts in our life, if we give up on God, we're out of options. And David went through a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and a lot of personal failure, but he never gave up on God. I, there are so many passages that say it. I just give you a short sentence, Psalm 130, verse 1. David says, out of the depths. I mean, I'm, I, when I'm in the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. No matter how bad it got, he didn't give up on God. And here's the sad reality of my life. There are seasons of my life where I give up on him. Oh, you'd not see it. But I know where I'm just not, I'm not trusting him with that stuff inside. I'm, not, I'm trying to deal with it on my own. I'm, I just think he's not there for me like I ought, and I shut him out. And I know for a fact because I know so much about 
what goes on in lives of people who come here. Some of you have given up on God. Doesn't show in how you look, but you know it's defining who you are on the inside. You know who you are. You can't give up on God or you're giving up on your only choice to be free. It's for freedom Christ has set us free. No matter how bad it got, he didn't give up on God. And I'm begging you, don't give up on God. And then he did something with that. When, because he didn't give up on God, and though he made lots of mistakes, he ultimately came to the place, and this is how he found freedom, where he acknowledged his hurts to God. He acknowledged his hurts to God. He stopped hiding them and denying them and running from them, and he just acknowledged them. Look at Psalm 32, verses 3 and 5. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. And he talks about all that junk. And then he says, but then I acknowledged my sin to you and didn't cover up my iniquity anymore. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Isn't it something? We keep trying to deal with our own junk. We keep trying to deal with our own junk. We keep trying to deal with our own junk. And then we get to the place where we go, okay, God, I'm just going to give it to you. And look what he says. He, he did. He dealt with this junk a long time. And then he says, I finally got to the place where I acknowledged my guilt to you. And look what God did. You forgave the guilt of my sin. Hurt, gone. Isn't it time you let God take the hurt away? That's what he finally did. And ultimately, in acknowledging his hurts to God, this is what he did. He made this choice that led to him being set free. He turned to and trusted God with his hurts. He just turned to and trusted God with his hurts. Look at Psalm 142. I'll start with verse 2. I, I pour out my complaint before him. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you, God, who know my way. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. And then look what he's asking. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. What was he doing? I can't handle it anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't overcome it anymore. And so he turned to and trusted God with his hurts. And this is where we need to be. We live in rooms defined by our hurts when all the while Jesus came to set us free from our hurts. And I know what you're thinking because I think this at times too. It's like, you don't know what I'm wrestling with. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know the pain that's in my, you just don't know. And you're right, I don't. And you don't know mine. But here's the truth I do know and I want to share with you. Jesus can set us free from our hurts. Whatever they are, whatever you're dealing with, Jesus can set us free from our hurts. John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. No longer defined by your hurts. No longer sinking in the quicksand of your hurts. No longer broken by your hurts. No longer imprisoned by them, enslaved by them, but free like David. And this is what makes a great story of a great person of God. Not that they were never broken, that they were never failing, that they never lived in rooms of hurt. That's not the great story. The great story is, but they got to the place where they chose to let Jesus set them free. That's the great story. And that story can start for you this weekend, for me, for all of us right now, because Jesus can set us free from our hurts. But for it to happen, we have to do what David did. He stopped making 
the wrong choice and he started making the right choice. He stopped choosing to try and deal with it himself and he chose to give it to God and that's where we have to be which brings me to the application just before we move into worship and communion here's the choice we have to make we must choose to focus on Jesus rather than our hurts we have to focus on Jesus rather than our hurts as long as we focus on our hurts, we'll keep wrestling with them like David did and they'll keep destroying us like they did him. But the minute we turn our focus to Jesus and what he did for us, the hurts become irrelevant. Look what Jesus said in John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Life comes with hurts included, but take heart. I have overcome that world of trouble, that world of hurt. But it takes a choice. I know a lot of you are believers. A lot of you would say that you are a Jesus follower, that he's forgiven you, that you're a child of God. I get that. And can I remind you, so was David when he was wrestling with hurts and living in rooms of hurt, so much so that he was destroyed. He was already a believer. He was already a... God follower. He was already a big time servant of God and yet he was living in rooms of hurt that was destroying everything about his life and that's where many of us are as believers right now and I'm telling you it's time to make this choice. Stop focusing on your hurt. Stop focusing on your pain. Stop focusing on your guilt and put your focus on Jesus because he has overcome the world. And what we have to do is just Acknowledge our hurt. Don't give up on him. Just acknowledge your hurt. Turn to and trust him with this thing. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how bad it is. He can shine light in your soul in the midst of the greatest darkness. You just have to let him. Some of you are here and you've never experienced Jesus inside you at all. The world has always overcome you because you've never had Jesus in you to overcome the world. But guess what? That can change in a moment. Because whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All of your junk can be put on his cross and you can be given the life of his resurrection, but you have to make the choice. And so before we move into communion, would you bow with me in a word of prayer? And as we bow in prayer, I hope you believers are talking to God about whatever it is in your life like David did. But if you're ready to trust Jesus and let him forgive you and save you, would you take my words in this prayer and make them yours? You don't have to say this out loud. Just in your heart to God, just say, Jesus, I, I in this moment, I in this moment am going to focus upon you and not my pain, not my hurt, not my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I'm asking you now to forgive me, to make me new, to make me a child of God. And so I give you my hurt, my pain, my guilt. And I put my faith in your forgiveness and your promise and your salvation. I turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, I just, I can't encourage you enough to let us know. We have a 
we actually have a, a program in our services if you're in one of our live setting services and inside is this thing we call a connection card it's just this little perforated card it's really easy to take out and rip out and just really encourage you if you prayed with me would you please rip that out fill it out there's a place where you can say I I prayed with you to receive Jesus check that box off and then there are boxes that there are boxes at every single exit and all you have to do is throw it in there and we're gonna send you a letter about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God and we're also gonna send you a Bible so please let us know you made that decision if you're watching online somewhere would you just hit the what next button and we'll do the same exact thing for you we care about you wherever you're hearing this talk wherever you're taking those steps it's a big deal and now I tell you one of the most exciting things for me is that we get to we get to celebrate communion together as a church family and I I'm really really thrilled that on this day as we get ready to celebrate the freedom that we have in America we get to share communion together celebrating the freedom we have in Jesus and and here's how I want you to see it as 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 waving flags and and blowing up fireworks is our way of remembering the sacrifices made to give us freedom in this country as as waving flags and blowing off fireworks is our way of celebrating that we live in a world that's free in a country that's free in a place that's free so communion is our way of remembering the sacrifices that were made to give us the freedom we have in Christ so communion just like the fireworks at 4th of July communion is our way of celebrating what Jesus did to make us free that we're free that we are no longer in bondage to our guilt that we are no longer imprisoned by our our failures but instead we're free that's what communion is and that's why I'm so excited to celebrate it with you and, and I want you to be aware that if you're um, if you're not a part of Northridge Church communion can still be for you it's not about you having to be a part of Northridge Church it, it has to do with you being a part of the family of God right and so whether you're a part of Northridge or not if you are a follower of Jesus walking in him then then the bread represents his body being broken for you and the juice represents his blood being shed for you and when you eat it and drink it what you're saying is I've already by faith accepted all of the transformation that comes with what Jesus did in dying for me but if you don't know Jesus or you're not walking with him then to be eating the bread and drinking the juice is to be communicating something that that's not true and so unless you're willing to like get it right with him just let the basket pass you by there's no judgment here but if you're ready to say I'm ready to remember him and celebrate him and refocus on him then communions for you and I'm really excited on this particular weekend as well because though you don't have to be a part of Northridge it is really neat when a church family gets together and does stuff like this and and we have this weekend over a hundred people committing and designing to become members at Northridge Church and you can see their names in your program this weekend which is great and so these people have put faith in Jesus and been baptized and now they're joining with us and if you're I know you just clap but if you're really excited about people who make Northridge their family would you just give them a big big hand would you just welcome them in it's awesome thank you great 
All right. So now I'm going to ask you to stand with me at this time, and here's what's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to receive the bread and the juice in one package, and I'm going to ask you to hold it until I come back up, and together as a family, we'll receive the bread and the juice together. And just before we pass it out, I'm going to pray and thank God for what he's done for us. So would you join me? Father in heaven, I thank you for the, the bread and juice, not, not for the specific elements themselves, but for what they represent. Jesus, that you gave your body to die on that cross so that we could experience life and freedom in our bodies now. And you shed your blood so that we couldn't be defined by our guilt anymore, but defined by your forgiveness. And I just pray that as we eat the bread and as we drink the juice, fireworks would go off in our soul, celebrating the beauty of the freedom that you've given us. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.